0: I'm beginning to think. Yes, I'm beginning to think. become me.
1: Welcome to The Cost of Not Paying Attention, hosted by nationally recognized speaker Janine hamner Holman. Janine knows what it takes to attract and retain world class talent. Join her here each week on The Cost of Not Paying Attention as we use brain science, leadership, management, and real life challenges managers face to explore the places where we aren't paying attention.
0: Welcome to the cost of not paying attention. I'm your host, Janine Hamner-Holman. What am I paying attention to today? The difference between who we are and what we do. And what I mean by that is for those of us who have had the privilege of raising or being a part, helping to play a role in raising children. We really try when we're working with children to remember that there's a big difference between someone being a bad person and someone doing a bad thing. We have all, I know in my life, I have been a good girl who did some bad things. And when we grow up, it can get a little harder to have those distinctions. I was talking today with one of my coaches And we were talking about how I have it that it's a bad thing when I feel like I need to seek reassurance from somebody about something. And what we unpacked is that as my life's work, I have chosen to get into what John Lewis called good trouble. The mission of my company is to have the world of work be one in which everyone can thrive. To make that happen, I have to disrupt the status quo. I also have, in general, a keen sense of when something is awry, when something is amiss, or when there's a big elephant in the room that we're all trying to ignore, And it's actually courageous of me and of you when we speak up, when we seek clarity, when we seek reassurance. So for all of you other good troublemakers out there, remember to see it as a strength and not a problem when you speak up. Which brings me right into my guest, for today. Before I get into who he is, I wanna tell you a bit about what he does. Mark Jaffe is a former senior executive at the Walt Disney Company, and also has for the last 15 years, been the president of Strategic Growth Consulting. They enable entertainment, manufacturing, other kinds of technology companies, as well as other product and service companies to achieve breakthrough revenue growth with sustainable profits from a foundation of strong strategic analysis and innovation. Along the way, Mark got really interested in happiness. So now we get to delve in for a second before I actually bring him on to talk about who Mark is. At a young age, he realized that his happiest life was not something out of reach. He studied, observed, cultivated, and ultimately has enjoyed an enduring happiness through a singular focus on identifying what worked And what didn't? He has also had an amazing life journey, perhaps like yours, that has included a career, some a lot of career successes and some career failures, a marriage that succeeded until it didn't, two fabulous kids, a dog, and he has created a learned ability to be very happy, which has made him happy now consistently for over 40 years. Welcome, Mark.
1: Well, thank you, Janine. That's such a wonderful introduction. And I have to share with you how how happy I am that you introduced me the way you did with a preface about authenticity. And I'll tell you why, please, because Right now, as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about, I realized that overall, I really wasn't that happy. And so Ah. how in the world am I going to go on to this show with you and talk about happiness when there just feels to be this cloud hanging over my head? And I thought, Mm. how incongruent. But yet I felt the need, as you said earlier, to be authentic. Yes. And to speak up and speak your truth. Yep. And so how can I be happy now during this period of what for me is relative unhappiness? Yeah. I mean, my mom passed away two months ago. We're under this cloud of COVID. The two things that give me such incredible joy, which is travel and live music, have been virtually inaccessible for right. two years. My girlfriend who moved in with me, Works at a healthcare facility and runs the facility, and she's out till 10 o'clock under total stress. Uh And I'm sure so many of us are under this horrific cloud of COVID. And by the way, no one has died, thank God, in my family from COVID. No one has gotten sick, thank God, from COVID. Uh So my complaints are quite minimal. Yet if I'm doing full recognition, I'm not as happy as I would like.
0: Yeah. And thank you so much for that, because I have been talking a lot recently about health and wellness and about what's happening in the world of health and wellness, both relative to us as individuals and relative to organizations. You know, it used to be that. You know, you worked for Walt Disney, you, worked, you have worked for a number of large businesses over the course of your career, both as an employee, as a leader, and as a consultant. And it used to be in those organizations that our happiness, our health, our wellness was each individual person's obligation to deal with. And in part, because of the last two years that we've all gone through, in part because of the things that have been illuminated in this time, this idea of health and wellness has transmogrified from being a personal issue to being a corporate issue. And it's also a societal issue, I think, in a way that it has never been. And so I love it. That we're having this conversation about happiness at a time when most people are honestly not very happy because of the circumstances in which we find ourselves right and so how can we what are some of the things that we can do to rise above our circumstances to understand yeah Our circumstances are what they are and they're kind of shitty. And if I had it all my way, I would have it be different, but I don't. So, you know, I, a great friend of mine and another one of my many coaches, um, gave me a present for the holidays called an impact deck. And so every day I am pulling a card. And so today's impact card, I mean, just wouldn't, you know, it. It says, I am in charge of how I feel. Today, I choose happiness.
1: And that is perfect. I mean, the crux of it is, how can we remain happy while being unhappy? (laughs) And truthfully, happiness and unhappiness can peacefully coexist. If you think about having lost someone, how can you reconcile their loss with the incredible memories you have? Right. You can. You yes. can experience the joy and re-experience the love. At the same time, you feel the sadness. Mm-hmm. Think about people who are in a wheelchair or of some other physical impediment. Naturally, that causes them continual unhappiness. It doesn't go away. Right. Yet there are these moments of joy. And a lot of what I write about in the book is not about how to hold on to happiness as we (laughs) idealize it indefinitely. It's really about the tools that we can use to trust our capacity for happiness. Because happiness is a constant process. It goes in, it goes out, but these tools build the resiliency we need. And as anyone could have told you in the last two years, the two tools we've needed the most are resiliency and adaptivity, right? Uh. Because everything changes in <laughs> a moment. right? And, and so these tools to be happy are, are real tools. You could use them today. I mean, I'll give you uh, an example. There are 10 ch- pathways in the book to happiness. One of them is the magic of simplicity. And I was invited, wow, 20 years ago to this thing called the uh, State of the World Forum put on by Mikhail Gorbachev. Uh-huh. And in this forum, there was a Buddhist monk who has passed away called Thich Nhat Hanh, mm. who invited us to a seminar. Oh, you're familiar, right? I
0: am. All right.
1: So you will love this story. Wonderful. So, you know, there's all sorts of luminaries, politicians, scientists, and you go into these formal rooms and everyone's all dressed up. Thich Nhat Hanh's room had one pillow for him to sit on and a floor. And we, <laughs> and we go into the room. And everything is still, and he walks in with that presence that Ah. you know, and he just simply looks out at all of us, and we don't know what's coming. Right. And he says, Today we are going to peel an orange and eat it. And he takes out an orange, and he slowly but surely looks at the orange, talks about the brilliance of the color. He feels the orange, he t- the nubs on the orange and how it radiates off of his finger. He then smells it and then he builds to this climax of where he sticks his fingernail in it and the spray of the juice goes onto his face. And he's getting further and further into the sensuality of this orange and by the time he eats it the whole audience is exhausted. We are completely spent. We were so immersed in his experience. And, and by the way, I will tell you, this took 45 minutes for him to take
0: the first fight.
1: And so when you think of the completeness of that moment, right. that 45 minute moment and the immersion that we allowed ourselves to get into that moment, that is one of the keys to happiness that's accessible to anyone after they finish listening to this podcast, <laughs> they can have a moment of simplicity. Uh-huh. You know, um, my parents, who had this amazing love for each other, they were side by side forever. It, like, mm-hmm. they, would, they would fall asleep on the couch together holding hands.
0: Aww. And they sometimes
1: told me this story about how they were on a cruise. Uh-huh. And they were describing how they were out on the balcony. It was 10 o'clock at night. The stars were out. The cruise ship was slowly moving through the water. And they talked about this serenity and this peacefulness that they had, because nothing existed at that moment, except for the two of them holding hands and the night sky. Uh-huh. And again, it was immersion into the present moment. And the present moment, even in moments of unhappiness, is always accessible to us. There's always like, I, just before I, I came here, I was sitting by my window, feeling the warmth of the sunshine on my skin. And it was so wonderful. I mean, you know, I run cold anyway. So anytime <laughs> I get to go to work, it's to be celebrated. But I think if people were to practice this magic of simplicity uh-huh. and immerse themselves in the present moment, I mean, they're going to see that simplicity is a gift that you could give yourself all the time, no matter what state of mind you're in, no matter what dark cloud is hanging over you. The present moment can give you a happiness that can coexist with the unhappiness that you're feeling.
0: I love that. And I love, you know, the idea of we have a, an elderly dog who is in his final, probably weeks of life. And I have the opportunity every night to go outside with him for his last potty run and I kiss his face and he has a very long nose. And so I kiss one side of his nose and mm. then he will lean his head over mm. and I will kiss the other side of his nose. And you know, even here in uh, Southern California, in Pasadena, I can look up and while we have a lot of light pollution, there are still stars in mm-hmm. the sky. And so every evening, I have this moment with my dog, who I adore, and am beginning to prepare to let go of, mm-hmm. and then get to be present to the night sky, to the stars, to that feeling of both infinity and our smallness in the whole that is everything and even though obviously as you can hear i have this tender place in me around my dog i can still in that moment have this experience of joy of looking at the magnitude of the universe and thinking of my dad who loves the stars and is 83 so in you know in his final stages and he is still great and in good health and you know this last two years I think for everybody there have been these interesting times of what a really wonderful article in the New York Times called anticipatory grief Mm -hmm. that you know and, and that is what I have for the future passing of the dog. For the future passing of my beloved parents, who I'm happy to say are both still here but in their, and in their 80s. And, and there is so much of a sense of loss. Last, at, the, at the end of last year, you and I were talking about how much we miss getting to be together with other people and hug other people and have that sense of camaraderie and togetherness and connection. And, you know, one of the amazing things that Zoom has created and that these forums like this podcast have created is a sense of connection and a sense of knowing and being able to know and meet people that we wouldn't know and meet otherwise. And so and and there is so much in there for which I am grateful and and happy at the same time where I have deep sadness.
1: Yeah, I'm so present to this other pathway of happiness, which uh-huh. I call the joy of connection. When you are connected, and you could do that in times of happiness, in times of pain. I mean, obviously I went through times of, of pain recently with my mom's passing.
0: Right.
1: And I remember waking up the next morning, the morning after she passed, And I said, I just want people I care about to be with me. Uh And that joy of connection during times of pain, don't you always wonder how at funerals people can laugh? Like, doesn't it (laughs) feel like that's so disrespectful? You can't laugh. But that's that's part of acceptance of the grieving process, and that's part of the connection. And so even in these times of trouble, when one can connect with another person, on any level, but especially on a level like this conversation is going, yeah. there is actually neurological and scientific proof that that creates and triggers these endorphins of happiness. Right. You know, and I'll I'll give you an example. I was one time with my best friend, which automatically was a sense of connection, <laughs> right? And we were like wandering around Baja California, and there was this area on the eastern side, just south of San Felipe, called Portasitas. And someone local had told us, go there, there's a bunch of hot springs. And so there was this hot spring that was right next to the ocean. Like, literally, you could stand up and walk into the ocean, then walk back into the hot springs. And we (laughs) went there, and it was desolate, and it was beautiful. And so right before the sun started setting, all of the local villagers came in their bathing suits to the hot spring. And we didn't speak Spanish that well, but Mm -hmm. no one seemed to care They welcomed us in that circle. And I just have such wonderful, warm feelings of all the, quote, communication that took place without any words. And it was because we were all sharing in that common experience. And I think people underestimate the joy of connection. And I remember there's this one quote, I forgot where I read it, that defined this last two year period by saying, never have so many spent so much time with so few. (laughs) On some level by necessity, but I think on some level by design because we sought happiness and connection during this profound period of disturbance and disruption. And through connection, we're able to achieve that.
0: Yeah, and I love that image of you and your best friend and then all the villagers there for sunset. There is a wonderful thing that happens in so many places in the world. My husband and I, a number of years ago, were in Greece and it just felt like at every sunset, everything would stop and everyone would pay attention for the sunset. My brother is right now boarding a plane, coming back from six weeks in Kenya. And one of the big things that everyone would do every day, was pay attention to the sunset. And I love that imagery, both because obviously, when the sun is setting, we are at the close of a day. We are at a point of introspection and reflection. And also, often, it is spectacularly beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so taking those moments to, as you were talking about earlier, to really be present to the beauty, to be present in a collection of people as much as we can, as safely as we can now, you know, but to have that sense of community, of place, of pause, of beauty, of awe. I mean, I just, I think it's one of the amazing things that we get to do every day, if and when we take the Take the opportunity to do. It.
1: And you're totally right. I mean, the journey is the destination. My girlfriend and I love watching the sunset. I mean, we live right at the beach in Santa Monica, California, uh-huh. and we always look for this illusory. And we all thought just ridiculous thought of the green
0: flash, which yes. of course
1: is a total fabrication. It never <laughs> happens, and we would always look for it though because that was our thing. Right? Like maybe it will happen. A month ago. It was not only a green flash, it went for at least a second, a full um, beat. It yeah. was brilliant green. It really exists. And I wonder if it was that special moment because we saw it or because for months we had built ourselves up to <laughs> the thought of the green flash. And again, I point out this is in the midst of this whole pandemic. There was this amazing moment of joy we actually had joy, and just just thinking about it makes me happy again, <laughs> you know, which is actually kind of the concept behind this book. Uh-huh. So, you're thinking, where does Suitcase of Happiness really come from? Yeah. Well, there's a story of this guy named Stéphane de Bougie and Veronique de Bougie, his wife. He was a famous commercial photographer in France, and she was with some friends at a cafe in 2015 in Paris which was the cafe that was bombed by terrorists. And of course, you could only imagine they had two kids, the tight family, everything Mm -hmm. was perfect. And at her funeral, he was talking about this incredible pain of losing her and said, the one thing that has kept us going is her valise de bonheur, which in French means her suitcase of happiness. Now it wasn't a real suitcase, it was a metaphorical suitcase. Right. But what she would do is she would consciously collect all these moments we've been discussing. The mm-hmm. moment, I'm not, and I'm not going to, I don't think I'll ever forget that visual of you and your dog kissing. <laughs> them that is such a precious moment. Yeah. And imagine if you had hundreds of those moments, thousands of those moments, and you've collected them in your suitcase of happiness, and you can unpack them at any time. Uh-huh. They're always accessible to you. And for me, I mean, I want to tell you writing the book I thought would be a great joy, but the two things I hate are being alone in writing. So why in the world would I write a
0: book? Well, I, really? I what the my- fuck, Mark Daffy? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I wrote it for my kids because it was kind of a, a legacy to them. Yeah. But what I didn't realize that happened was I loved writing the book. Huh. Because I was fully in the moment and I uh-huh. all, the, all these anecdotes that I share and I'm sharing with you bring me happiness. I, it was in essence a real life unpacking of my suitcase of happiness that overcame how much I hate being alone and I hate writing.
0: <laughs> so in addition to buying your book, Suitcase of Happiness, if someone and a link to how to buy Mark's book will be in the show notes but in addition to buying the book how can one you know if you're if you're out there listening and you're thinking oh wow okay well this actually sounds like a pretty good idea i think i should start creating a suitcase of happiness that i could go to at any moment how does one start creating a suitcase
1: well i mean we've talked about a number of ways but i'll give you yeah. the easiest way The easiest way, and it's three letters, and it's called the rule of yes. Mm. Say yes. Yes leads to such an infinite world of possibilities. I mean, I'll give you an example. Some of your listeners may have gone to improv, right, where, you know, they give you a situation and then on-the-spot actors create everything. Well, the rule of improv is yes and. So imagine the situation is oh, we had a great ride on the train. And then the next guy goes, yes, and, and can you imagine what would happened if that pig that was running down the aisle had actually started <laughs> nibbling on my slipper? And then the first guy goes, there wasn't any pig. Well, there goes the end of that skit, it's over. It right. just died. But if we continue to say yes, we open ourselves up to these experiences. Yes, I'm gonna watch the sunset and enjoy it. Yes, I'm going to try to connect with someone today, someone I don't know. I just had a, a situation a couple of years back where I was walking down the street in Santa Monica and this older woman, I mean, really, she was older. I mean, she might have been 90 plus, uh-huh. was kind of slowly making her way down the street. And I decided I was going to say good morning to her uh-huh. and just connect with her on some superficial way and yeah. see what happens. Right. So I said, Good morning. And she looks up at me in, like, shock. She goes, oh, uh, 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 good morning! She was, like, so thrilled. (laughs) Somebody had acknowledged her, that someone realized she was actually walking in the street. Uh Uh-huh. For me, I I know that made her happy, but for me, like, my cup runneth over.
0: Uh The thought
1: that I was to create such incredible joy for someone, such validation, such acknowledgement... Because I decided to say yes to greeting her. I didn't know what would come of it. Right. You know, and think about if you have a partner, a spouse, a loved one, a brother, a sister, a child, have the conversation of a yes, yes relationship. Now, of course, if they're going to say, let's jump off a cliff together, you won't say yes to that. right? (laughs) But what if they say, let's try a new restaurant we haven't had before, or let's Uh take a walk down the path on the right rather than the path on the left? I mean, I remember one time I was traveling with a friend to San Diego and we decided to go on a kayak and Uh it was a really, really cold day. And so she could have said, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> the wind's blowing, we're out in the middle of the ocean, I'm exerting effort. Like, what part of me do you think we had in common?
0: Yeah, I right? know. <laughs> she, said, she said,
1: all right, why not? Let's try it. Well, it turned out that that day, unbeknownst to us, was the red tide. I don't know if you're familiar oh, with the red yes, tide, yes. but that is when there's a certain type of algae in the ocean, and when the water's disrupted, it turns a brilliant turquoise blue. Yeah, that moment would have never happened if she didn't say yes. Right. And so and then let's not forget the validation of you saying, how about if we do this? And your partner says, yes, okay. I And mean, you don't even have to do it. You already feel good. Exactly. So, so I think the easiest way to get started is to say yes say yes to something that you've wanted to do that you haven't done, say yes to trying a new food, say yes to going to a different place, say yes to peeling an orange and deciding to really experience it rather than gobbling it down. I can tell you I've tried that and it's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember one time we used to live about 25 miles from Westwood where UCLA is And I was describing to my kids this place, and I guess this is a free plug for them, called Didi Reese, Uh which used to have these fresh chocolate chip cookies and any Mm -hmm. type of ice cream you want in the middle. And my son said, Daddy, let's go. And I could have said it's 25 miles away, I don't think so, but (laughs) I had always wanted to say yes to them. So think about it, it's the same thing like the green flash. Now we're in traffic, it's taking almost an hour to get there, (laughs) but we can't wait to have this ice cream in the middle of a cookie. And it was one of the most delicious desserts we've ever had, partly because it was delicious, but mostly because of the anticipation and because we went on an adventure together.
0: I was about to say, you had an adventure. And my folks, my parents, both grew up with absolutely no money. And my dad was a relatively successful architect. And it was always really interesting to me the things that they chose to spend money on. They spent very little money on stuff, cars, jewelry, not interesting to them they spent a lot of money on experiences. Mm -hmm, So we would travel, we would go to good restaurants, we would have fun and times together, which then become those suitcase moments, become Mm -hmm. those moments that, you know, when they are not here and they live on the other side of the country, you know, they're Mm -hmm. in Cambridge, Massachusetts, I'm in in Pasadena, California, we don't get to see each other much we try and talk frequently but you know those are the suitcase moments one of the things i did for my husband for the holidays is i gave him a indoor skydiving he and i went mm-hmm. indoor skydiving at universal city and then went out to dinner and it was ridiculous and it was so much fun we had a ball and you know, we were, we are both I'm in my late 50s. He's in his early 60s. We were with these, you know, 20 and 30 year old kids. We were definitely the old people, but we were just, you know, And they're like, have you guys never done this before? And this is like, this is so cool that you guys are doing this.
1: I love that you did that. And I love <laughs> that you did it here in town. And I'll tell you why, because we normally do those things only when we're on vacation. Right. right. Why is vacation so much fun? Okay, fine, going to beaches, going to mountains, those are fun. But vacation is fun because we have a different mindset. Yep. We think about dinner and food differently. We celebrate being together over a meal. We yep. celebrate going to bed late. We give our kids an extra chocolate chip cookie.
0: <laughs> we, we
1: have dessert for breakfast. Yeah, we that we're not limited in time? We'll do things we normally wouldn't do. And I've often thought, why don't we live life here like we're on vacation? Why don't we give ourselves permission to enjoy life here in the course of our day the way we do while we're on vacation? And it sure sounds like you did that.
0: We did that. For one whole evening, we did. And so, you know, one of the great things about living in Southern California, you are closer to the beach than I. But, you know... I mean, Pasadena is 25 miles with Los Angeles traffic. It's an hour, but I'm an hour away from the beach. And a lot of us are an hour, two hours away from some place that can give us joy. And the beach for me is a rejuvenative place. It is a place of release and of recharge the motion the in, the out, the sounds. I was at the beach sometime in November and it was the most multicultural event I had ever seen. Mm. There were women in saris and there were women in things that were not burqas but very close to burqas. And there were men in um, full clothing and there were Children in very little to no clothing, and everybody was playing in the water. And there were black people, and white people, and Asian people. And I mean, it was and it was joy. There was a dog, um, and (laughs) it was joyful. And I have made a commitment to myself that theoretically every Thursday, but that's not really how life works. So if I do it two Thursdays a month, half the days, half the weeks that I take between 9 and 2 and I go to the beach. Mm-hmm. And I have that experience of rejuvenation and relaxation and a little piece of vacation in my work week, in my mm-hmm. daily week. It is it is definitely in my suitcase of happiness mm-hmm. and So I wanna encourage people to think about, are there places that give you that feeling, that sense of peace? Are there times of the day that give you that sense of peace? And, And maybe it's an alone thing, maybe it's a community thing, but think about how you might be able to incorporate that into your day, into your suitcase of happiness as we are all on this on this journey together on this journey of life and this journey of COVID and this journey of this moment in time. So as we start thinking about wrapping up, is there anything that you've been thinking like, Oh, I want to bring this part in or any place that you would like to leave us today?
1: Yeah, there is. And I think I don't call it this but i feel it I, it's a happiness multiplier like how can we take those moments that amazing description of the multicultural beach and the joy that you feel and give you a heightened level of happiness even beyond what you've experienced and described and Bring it's it. possible i can give you I'll, I'll unlock the secret right now and this awesome. is the secret is gratitude
0: ah uh...
1: Because gratitude truly unlocks the fullness of life. It multiplies your happiness. How? Because you have taken a moment. You've thanked God or whoever spiritually leads for you for bringing you to that moment. You celebrate the joy of that moment in the gratitude you have for living here and now. My mom used to always describe it differently. She used to say, she used to bring us on hikes. We used to do a lot of hikes in nature. And she used to occasionally pull some sage and bring it up to our nose. And she'd say, smell it. And sage is so powerful.
0: Uh, so and,
1: and we'd go, oh, that's wonderful. And she'd say, bottle it. Bottle. bottle it. I love it. As if it. we had a bottle and we could take that moment and that smell and seal it so that it's preserved forever. Uh. And that's what gratitude does for those moments. And as you know, when you preserve something forever, the effect of it grows and becomes more pronounced. And so I want to leave everyone with the thought of using gratitude to exponentially multiply the power of the happiness you're feeling at that moment.
0: Oh, I love that. And, you know, so many people talk about an attitude of gratitude. What you're talking about is a practice of gratitude and of using gratitude as the amplifier and using gratitude as the container to bottle that up, to bring Mark's mom with us and to bottle that up and cork it and keep it and use that practice of gratitude. I love it. I love it. Thank you, Mark. Thank you for your time, your wisdom, your authenticity, your generosity. I so appreciate it. And this has been a wonderful conversation.
1: Well, it's been a treat for me, Janine. Thank you. Awesome.
0: I am Janine Hamner Holman. And this has been the cost of not paying attention. Remember, Great leaders make great teams. Until next time.
1: On behalf of Janine Hamner-Holman, thanks for paying attention. This has been The Cost of Not Paying Attention. Head on over to our website, www.janinehamner.com forward slash podcast for access to the show notes as well as additional resources. Remember, great leaders make great teams.